80% of your effort should be put into your content hook. If you cannot hook somebody's attention and nobody's gonna read your post, it's like, it's all worthless. The more Bitcoin grows, the more it undermines the power of the governments. Bitcoin takes the money printer away from the governments. If you save enough money where your time is leaking out, you will behave differently. Bitcoin is a promise of a better world. You are the social media lead in, in, in Relay, right? Yeah, but I prefer the title Meme Sensei. Meme Sensei, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really, really cool. How is it to like handle such a big account? It, I think it can be really, really hacked at times. I know it from, from my account that it, it can be uh, really stressful and sometimes disappointing also. How is it to uh, have such a big account to be the social media lead about it and explain why some posts perform really good and some don't? So managing a big account is uh, very fun, but also not fun. Just because, uh, I mean, I mean, it's fun because there's a lot of content coming your way. So you, you see a lot. But then, like, I used to have this policy where I would reply to everybody who mentions Relay. Like, that was my policy. But now I maybe reply to, like, 10% of people because there's just so many people who just tag us. So it's, there's, there's benefits, but also it's, it's kind of hard. Did you ask for, like, tips on how to grow a Twitter account? I think I want to go to, to that a little bit later. Um, how do you decide to what you reply? Because actually I'm also right now in the face. Like I reply to everybody. And, and now I'm getting to the point where I lag behind sometimes a few hours because I have to keep up. Uh, and sometimes there are like breaks where posts perform a little less and then you can keep up with the comments again. Like how do you decide who are you uh, um, replying to and who not? Yeah, well, first of all, the fact that you cannot reply to everybody because of the sheer volume, that's a good problem. That means you're growing. As far yeah. like who to reply and what to reply, it's kind of like, like right now we, we got an intern. So Jordi from the Relay Squad is a, a social media intern. And I like, I tried to explain, to explain to him how we reply on Twitter and to who. And it was kind of weird because there's no like handbook on how to like talk to people. It's just like, just be social and uh, don't be an asshole. But uh, like, honestly, like some comments, they just, you know, you can just like them. It's not realistic to reply to everybody, especially when you have 40K followers and everybody wants your attention. You just have to pick, like, like the, if somebody asks a question, definitely answer it. But then, or if somebody says something and you have a good answer, or, you know, answer them. But like, you just, you just have to always, uh, case by case, look uh, who to answer and who you can skip. It's just not realistic to answer everybody. Yeah, it's sometimes also when you have a viral tweet where there's a common theme about it. Like there's usually uh, five different or three different kinds of, of replies that come and they come in like all over the place. Like there, there are 300 comments and you basically could uh, put them in three different categories and uh, all answer them with the same comment. Uh, but uh, it's, 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 it's an interesting experience. Uh, yeah, but, but when, you, when you reply to people, this is like a lot of a lot of what Bitcoin brands miss is uh, well first of all uh, most Bitcoin brands don't even reply to people so like they they treat social media as like a broadcast channel where they think they have a microphone and they're talking to an audience whereas if somebody sees a, a tweet from a brand a Bitcoin brand to them it's a one-to-one -one conversation so like a lot of Bitcoin brands forget to be social on social media and if you if you if you take out the social from social media you just have media and uh, it doesn't really work on on social media and like a big part of growing on social media is actually engaging so like you could be you could have the best content and you will grow but i would say 40 percent of like social media success is actually like behaving like a normal user and talking to people being part of the community i would say 40 percent of like social media growth is like engaging people and then 60 percent is like really good content and we can discuss what What, I, what really good content means for a, for a Bitcoin brand. Yeah, let's go right into this. Uh, what, how do you decide if a post is good or bad? Like how, how do you come up with ideas? How do you decide then uh, if it's a good or bad idea? Uh, how do you involve the idea in an actual post? Do you have a, like a checklist you go through? Yeah, so I mean, uh, it's like creating content is, is like a muscle that you have to practice, you know, once you've posted 10, 10 pieces of content, you become a little better. And after 100 pieces of content, you're even better. And after 1000, you're a pro. 
but it all starts with an idea. Like if your idea is shit, the post is probably gonna also be shit. It's like, you know, there's a saying in tech that you cannot, uh, I mean, in marketing that you can't, uh, like, you can't do, if you have a shitty product and great marketing, you know, you have a leaky bucket and you know, it's, you cannot outmarket a shitty product. And it's the same with content. Like you need to treat content as the main product. Like when you post on social media as a Bitcoin brand, it's not just something you post on the side. It is the main product. And if the product is bad, then it's going to flop. So it starts with an idea. And then once you have a good idea, you can go to the next step, which would be then like the hook. So like 80% of your effort should be put into your content hook. Like if nobody, if you cannot hook somebody's attention and nobody's going to read your post, it's like, it's all worthless. So I would say like 20% of the effort should be the post itself, the body, and then 80% of your effort should be in the hook. So the headline, something that basically gets your attention and like stops the scroll. If you earned like basically if you can stop somebody from scrolling then they will read your post and then the last thing would be you need to decide on the medium sorry the format so is it going to be a video is it going to be a thread is it going to be text an image and this depends on the platform you you always need to be like looking what what is the algorithm pushing right now and what is the best way to convey this idea so like if you if you you know if you want to talk about self custody like maybe, I mean, visual could work, but also video, videos do really well, as opposed to like, if you talk about self-custody in a long form text, it's kind of dry. It can still work, but you always need to think like, what is the best format to convey this idea? But um, yeah, those would be like my, my checklist. But uh, what was the rest of the question? That was basically the... the, the, the... How do you decide if what is a good post and what is a bad post? Uh, like, uh, basically, oh, you have yeah. to, you'd get it. Like, how do you decide? Is it even in real life? Like, is there a process involved where you have to be like, oh, when the post is a good one and I think it's a good one, then I give it to someone else to, to give it free? Or is the, how is the work process also working? Yeah. So, because we're a small team, team at Relay, we're like, we're just, we're essentially four people in the marketing team. So, like, I create the content and then I send it to myself for approval and then I approve it. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> that's the approval flow. Like if, if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for relay. But uh, like, like when you, uh, it, it, it depends if you're posting for like, you know, personal stuff, there's a lot more leeway, but when you're posting for a brand, there's, it, there's a lot more, you know, there's a, you're kind of in a box and you have to think like what is allowed. But when you're posting for a Bitcoin company, it's like, the content needs to be something that people like. So if not, if people don't like your content, it's it's not good. And then you also have to you also have to make sure that the content is native. So like, don't be posting links that drive traffic to other websites because Twitter hates that because Twitter makes money by people endlessly scrolling because that's how they serve ads. So the content needs to be good to the end user. It needs to be native content, and then it also needs to somehow like basically it needs to align with the business goals. So like if, if for example, Relay, like if our, if our goal is to acquire users that want to stack sats, it maybe doesn't make sense to post a video of me twerking on Twitter because even though this might go viral of me shaking my ass, but then like it doesn't help the Relay business in any way. You know what I mean? So it needs to satisfy these three things. And this is like the trifecta of good content. And in the middle, if you create content that satisfies all three, I would consider that to be good. Yeah, I think that's the, the great freedom uh, people have that post just on their personal stuff because they are the sole decider what their brand their themselves is thinking. And if you're thinking something right now and you want to post it, that's basically a part of you and you can just post it. But if you're working for a Bitcoin brand, uh, you always have to see the whole picture, the bigger picture, I guess. Yeah, very much like Posting on social media is very much like it's all about branding. So like social media is not a great sales channel. And there's some companies who are really salesy on social media and it doesn't really work because nobody likes to be sold to. When people see when people see an ad, they immediately know this is an ad. Somebody's trying to sell me. I don't like this. But like, you know, like good, good content is, is supposed to be always offering some kind of value. You know, if the content is not valuable, it doesn't add value to your followers. You shouldn't, you probably shouldn't be posting it. And the value can be many things. It can be humor. 
it can be inspiration or like inspi something inspiring or something super bullish. So like every time you post something, you're speaking to people and you want to evoke uh, some kind of emotion. Like the, the worst thing is if, if people see your content and they don't think anything, that's, that's the worst thing when people feel indifferent about you. So I'd rather have people hating on my content because at least that helps the algorithm and they're feeling something. Like, of course, the best thing is that if people love my content and they're supportive, but I rather choose those two than be in the middle where nobody, nobody hates you and nobody loves you and you're just indifferent. And, uh, but at the end of the day, you're talking to people and you just kind of, you just need to have some like people skills and understand like what drives them. Also, you have to really deeply understand the people you're talking to, which is easy for me because I talk to Bitcoiners and I'm a Bitcoiner. So it works out. Yeah, I, I discovered uh, on my personal account that the best content is where you have an emotional reaction from a positive emotional reaction of one group and a negative positive uh, negative emotional reaction of another group at the same time. Where like if you post something about the altcoins, uh, it, it sometimes uh, uh, did really really good because I just had like one position. And the Bitcoiners jumped in and uh, wanted to make the, the shitcoiners in the post uh, look like shit. <laughs> the shitcoiners jumped in and like the, the this is, I think, the, the, the best case scenario. And the worst case, as you described, is when nobody cares for the content anyways. And I think, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, for me, it was like uh, I just tweeted out so much. I did it with pure uh, quantity that my brain, I think, with time was getting trained Uh, what works and what not. So I think quantity is, uh, if you can just do it, uh, uh, also a big quality driver over the long time because you just get trained on what works and what not because of trial and error. Uh, I guess yeah. for the company it's different. There's, like, there's some fundamentals to marketing, of course, because marketing is psychology, you know, uh, human behavior. Uh, but like when it comes to social media specifically, There is no, there's no fundamentals. You just, you just have to try and see what sticks. Like you just have to have, you just have to try everything. And then when you find the winning formula, something that works, and people really like, then you just double down on it and kind of like do it until it doesn't work anymore. How did you uh, learn all this? Did you had a job before in social media? Uh, did you just learn it on the go or did you learn it in, on the internet and with YouTube itself and doing it on, for yourself? Yeah, so I don't have a, I don't have any marketing degree. Of course, I did study marketing to some extent as part of my degree, which is business administration. But I, I never had any like specific marketing experience, and I never had a marketing job before joining Relay. But I've always, uh, I've never worked for a company where I wasn't a user first, you know. And uh, I was a user of Relay, And uh, I really liked the product. And I heard Julian on Daniel Prince's podcast and it really convinced me. Like I thought that this is like a very good product and I should be helping them. So I just essentially, I just messaged him on Telegram and uh, long story short, I just harassed him until he gave me a part-time job. First he refused me because I don't speak German. Uh, but then, but then I was, I think I was providing so much value to him and just giving, giving, giving and not asking anything back that he eventually agreed to hire me part-time. And then uh, just because I, again, I was so driven, I got, I was hired full-time. And where I learned all of this is basically through work. So like I, I have great colleagues who I, I, I learned a lot also from my boss, Imo. But also like just by doing trial and error, you learn so much. Also I consume like uh, marketing related content, podcasts. So I'm just, Uh, and I, I think I'm lucky because I'm really curious. I'm like a sponge. I, I like learning. So it's been easy for me, but like definitely, uh, definitely I wish I knew more when I started. And that's why like now I've started creating more content also about like how to do marketing, especially in Bitcoin land to help people kind of like give them a shortcut. So they don't have to go, they don't have to like, just like learn this in three years. Maybe they can. Like learn it in, I don't know, six months. I like that you harassed uh, Julian into a part-time job. <laughs> what, what, you have what to. Uh, like, can you go into it? What value did you provide to him that he finally says, "Oh yes, let's let's hire hire Arsen. 
Yeah, so essentially I was just sending him and uh, the CMO of Relay at the time, I was just sending them post ideas. I was like, guys, uh, here's like 10 post ideas. Please post them. They're, they're yours. Uh, and, uh, and then I just kept sending post ideas, of course, lots of memes. And uh, like, and it really helped them. And they saw that the posts performed really well. And also I had some proof of work under my belt. So of course I wasn't like, like a known person who knows what I'm talking about. Um, but like they saw that I can, I, I, I grew my personal account to like maybe 5,000 followers, which is not much, but, but still. So they, they're already like, that was kind of like my proof of work online portfolio. So I, I kept adding value. I kept sending them post ideas. And then they also saw that, okay, this guy has already done it. He can do it for us too. So that's why I always recommend, and I'm actually going to be publishing an article on, uh, in February uh, with a few other Bitcoiners of how, how to get a Bitcoin job. And a big part of that is you need to have an online portfolio, which we call the proof of work. So like you need to build in public you, so that when employers come to you, they see who you are immediately. And like when they go to your Twitter, it access your CV. They see immediately what you're all about. And uh, like there's a saying, don't trust verify in Bitcoin, which is great. But like when it comes to people, we still need a lot of trust. And we you, we cannot verify everything. But the fact but the fact that we have we're building in public like a proof of work portfolio, it helps them really to verify that you're the real deal. I mean, I think this is a general really, really good advice, not only in Bitcoin, uh, in, in general life, when you go to a company and you're doing uh, the things that the company doing on your own channel and you grew it over years and they see you have done the work, even though they didn't ask for that and they see, oh, he actually proved it. Like that's a, that's a no brainer to do. And it's, it's a good combination. Yeah, of, nobody of providing... does it, You know, maybe, yeah, maybe. Maybe in Germany, where you're from, it's a bit different. I know in America, there is a bit of a hustle. It's not shift. different. Like in, <laughs> in Europe, like nobody does anything if you don't pay them. Like there is no, like nobody's like trying that hard. Even less, like I think people um, not even not doing uh, only work when they are paid for. They are even doing only the, the way that the, the, the minimum amount of work. So they just don't get fired, I think. I see it a lot in companies where they are like just doing the bare minimum so they yeah. so they're not getting kicked out. Like that's even less than just doing the work they're getting paid for, I think. Well, that's why I like working in a startup because if you do bare minimum in a startup, you're going to get kicked out really quick. Like people are going to yeah. see that you're not contributing. So that's also like, you know, that's why I prefer working for Relay because what did uh, you? we're a small team. Uh, what did you bef do before Rila? Uh, and, and did you, you obviously were in, in Bitcoin before Rila. Uh, and like, how did you discover Bitcoin? And what did you do around that time and before Rila? So I discovered Bitcoin before I had any job. So I was in college. Um, uh, so how I discovered Bitcoin is it's a pretty standard story. It's basically you hear about the massive gains that people make. And then you also want to make the gains and then you happen to buy the absolute top of 2017 bull market, 20K. And uh, then you essentially ride it all the way down to 3K. And uh, you have a lot of time to contemplate what, what did you just do? Like, did I just waste all my money? And uh, that's when I had lots of time to do some self-reflecting and studying. So obviously that, that's when I uh, went into Bitcoin only. Uh, that's when I really sharpened my skills and knowledge. That's also when I started like stacking sats, sats religiously. And to, to this day, uh, I stack sats. Uh, so pretty standard rabbit hole journey. So like stayed for the, you know, came for the money, stayed for the tech. And before Relay, I worked in a bank. So I did uh, customer care there. Um, so that was also fun because uh, officially we were not allowed to own any Bitcoin. That was like the bank rule. But, you know, of course, because fuck their stupid rules, I still stack sats every week while working at this bank. And after that, I worked at Ledger for uh, uh, nine months doing also like uh, technical writing and customer support. And then you switched from Ledger to Relay directly. Yeah. So Ledger is a, it's a, it's a crypto company. So they deal with shit coins and just with my... You know, I just, my, my interest at that point had shifted and I was not really, I was like kind of 
disgusted with shit kinds. So I, I, I just couldn't keep working there. And uh, then I found Relay. And uh, there's not that many Bitcoin-only companies. There's more and more now. But like 2018, 19, it was really like weird to be just Bitcoin-only. It didn't make sense. Like, why would you just do Bitcoin-only when you can do all these other things? So like now, like, like I'm, I'm really happy at Relay. And uh, I don't see myself doing anything for like crypto companies just because I, I, I don't believe in it. You know, how did you find that like passion for like Bitcoin only? A lot of people are seduced by this uh, shitcoinery, as I say, like it's almost like a casino. Uh, you know that you probably lose money, uh, but you hope for the big wins. You hope for it. Like I, I hear a lot of people, especially in my friend circle, that are not on the the Bitcoin Twitter. Uh, they are like, yeah, but I, I gamble just like ten percent, like five percent of my money in the shit coins and one hopefully shoots up and then i convert uh, to bitcoin i hear that a lot still how did you make this jump from knowing this is shit and this is bitcoin and i only want to do bitcoin and not the shit yeah i think all of us have this inner degenerate inside of us who just wants to gamble a little bit and um i mean i think it's it's part of most of us do come from the shitcoin route and end up in Bitcoin only just because we've seen what happens in crypto. And we like, I don't know, like maybe we're just like have so high integrity that we see it. And we just, you know, like I can't be part of this because you do see how the pump and dumps schemes work, how the VCs dump on retail, like it, it's all in the open. And uh, most people in crypto, like there's some people who don't know about this, but there's also people who know and don't care and don't care. And uh, it's just not something, it's just not something a normal person would want to do, right? If you know there's so much, so much shenanigans going on. But uh, yeah, I had a lot of studying to do in my shitcoin phase. I also got burned a few times with some, uh, you know, buying some coins. Like I, I had like every single coin, shitcoin under the sun. Now I just have Bitcoin only. So, but it took me probably like one year to just really like educate myself on, you know, what what this revolution is really about it's it's really about fixing money and the rest of the stuff that's built on the side in the crypto land arguably mostly the, the only use case is making the founders rich not a lot of yeah. utility there uh, that's the i think that's the the, the best use case and uh, i always say on, on my twitter that bit uh, that uh, shit coins or altcoins don't have any use cases but uh, some reply yeah they're making at least the founders rich <laughs> The use case for altcoins is to for the founders to get your Bitcoin. Like at the end of the day, the founders, they want Bitcoin and even shitcoiners. I don't know that many shitcoiners who are 100% shitcoins. Every shitcoiner has also a Bitcoin stack because everybody knows that Bitcoin is the real deal. So the use case for altcoins is to take your Bitcoin. But like I would have no problem if if the crypto marketing would be like honest, if they just said that this is this is just a casino and it's super risky and we're just gambling and we have no idea what we're doing, I'll be totally fine because that's essentially what a casino is. And I have no issue with people gambling, but because they do affinity scamming and they, you know, they kind of, you know, they're, I mean, they're un unregistered securities and they essentially kind of promise some kind of return. And it's just like, if the marketing was honest, I would have no issue with crypto. People could do whatever they want with their money, but because they're selling pipe dreams, you know, that's when we have to call them out. I, I always get frustrated when I talk about altcoins and, 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 and shitcoins and how, how big they still are, because I think they are pretty big for what they are uh, still. And it's just marketing. It's just uh, gambling. It's just uh, pe people are taking other pe people's Bitcoin. Uh, I always say money, but you are right. I Actually, they, it should be like they're just taking Bitcoin. So you well, went, go ahead. Well, no, I just wanted to say that like every time there's new technology, you can expect there to be also opportunists. There's people who are building, but there's also going to be opportunists who just capitalize on every new wave. And it's the same with Bitcoin, AI, internet. There's always going to be people who will capitalize and, uh, you know, not building anything useful, but they know that there's a lot of hype and money sloshing around in this new industry and they just capitalize on it. Yeah, it's kind of like the dot-com bubble uh, in 2000 where so many internet companies were around and 
just everyone got money uh, for basically just having an idea that's uh, not good at all. And then, yeah, uh, there's a big clash coming and only the big ones and the good ones actually came through with like Apple, Microsoft uh, and um, yeah, Amazon, I also think was around back then. So it was like maybe like four companies uh, made it really through, through that whole phase and the rest of the thousands of companies just went bankrupt and or got absorbed by one of the bigger ones. So I think this is also something that, that happens with Bitcoin, but just on a way bigger scale because for me it's just bitcoin it's, it's not as much, some say oh it's bitcoin ethereum maybe a third one will be sticking around like uh, i heard this saying oh it's bitcoin it's for some money then it's ethereum for platforms and then there's a, a place for a meme coin i'm like no it's bitcoin <laughs> sorry to say it's like uh, like my question is always like to ethereum people why do you need censorship resistance resistance like like blockchain is extremely like ineffective way of organizing data and you yeah. only need it if you need censorship resistance which is like basically just money like i can't think of any other use case where you could where you would need it like maybe maybe like voting on blockchain maybe that could make sense but like building crypto kitties like do they really need to be censorship resistant like dick butts on the on the blockchain I don't think so. I even had a good friend of mine who uh, built something for that. And luckily he uh, switched and he's now doing something really cool. And, but he had a phase where he actually uh, launched NFT project with uh, uh, basically something like that. Um, how do you see the, like, the Bitcoin adoption going and then the next like five, 10 years uh, in like absorbing altcoins, in absorbing nation states? They are adopting El Sal uh, following the El Salvador role model, uh, institutions coming in, the Bitcoin ETF, there's so much going on. How do you see like the adoption coming and what's coming for Bitcoin in the next like five, 10 years? That's a big question. Uh, I don't like making predictions, but what I do know for sure is that fiat money is going to keep devaluing. Like this is a train that cannot be stopped. I think we both agree on that. And as long yeah. as fiat money keeps self-destructing and essentially going to zero slowly but surely, like Bitcoin is going to be growing in popularity because people are waking up and they're asking questions like, why is this getting more expensive? Why am I priced out of my dream home where my parents got this home and now they have two cars and I don't like I can't afford anything. So people are asking already questions like last year we had 10% inflation in the euro zone and um, as time progresses, like fiat money is programmed to die. Fiat money is an experiment. Like for, for, for centuries, we've used hard money like gold. This is the normal. And Bitcoin is basically, it's just going back to the normal. And fiat is the anomaly. And as long as fiat money keeps just slowly but surely dying, Bitcoin is going to be su successful. I don't know how, what the future looks like in five or 10 years. But I'm pretty sure that Bitcoin is going to be a big part of that. I'm super excited to announce that this podcast just got the first ever sponsor. I just started the podcast out like three months ago. And now we have 21 Bitcoin as a partner for this podcast. 21 Bitcoin is Bitcoin only from day one. And they teach and preach self-custody. This is my go-to exchange when someone asks me, oh, where can I buy my Bitcoin from? This is the easiest entry for Bitcoiners. And if you want lower fees, plus at the same time support this podcast, use code ROBIN and click the link in the description. And it's, uh, I also like that fear will go to zero, like eventually. I have very, very few guests on that say differently. Some think the... Uh, it will stick around uh, always when governments clinging on them the power. It will be just like a small part of it. Uh, it's uh, I kind of disagree with that because I think it's, it's you can just see the trends so so uh, uh, clearly, and the history teaches us that like soft money is not gonna stick around forever. Maybe takes fifty years, twenty years, ten years, hundred years. I don't know. The timing is difficult to predict, but it will happen. Yeah, there's always 
there's like if there's an incentive to devalue the money, you know, for the insiders to devalue the money, they're always going to do it. Like if 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 you can do something bad, there's going to be people who do it. And Bitcoin basically is a system where you cannot cheat. It's like in the Roman times when you know they clipped the coins, they took a small piece of the coin, and that was like obviously only the emperor could do that because he was the the law, and that was essentially like a tax on your savings. And uh, he can do it, and it's the same with modern modern like governments and central banks. Like if they can do it, if they can inflate your money away, they will. That's just like it's not. It's it, that's just how the, the the game is played. That's just the design of the system. Yeah, once you understand fiat money, it's really easy to understand. Um, maybe talking about fiat and fiat and Bitcoin. You worked in a bank before. You worked in a crypto company before, uh, really. What is like the cultural difference you see between Bitcoiners and the Bitcoin company and the fiat uh, world and the crypto world where there is a little bit Bitcoin in there? But I don't know. I would I would not say Ledger is a Bitcoin company. But uh, how is the the difference going on the crypto fiat and Bitcoin world? Yeah. So I mean, it also depends. Every company I worked for was in a different country. So like the, you know, the crypto company I worked for uh, was a French company. So you get the French work culture, which is, you know, French, they, they love working and uh, they're super flexible. That's, that's sarcasm. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but like, I would stay in the, in the crypto company. Definitely there was like, of course, every company is for profit. We all trying to make money, but then like at some point you have to ask, like when is it enough like if because if you list every shitcoin on your platform in your or in your hardware wallet like of course you make a lot of money and that's what you know that's why ledger is so big but then like and you sleep at night that, that's essentially the question like there's some people who believe in all that and there's gamblers who love gambling but there's also people who just you know it's They just don't care. And like being Bitcoin only is there is like ideology. That's that's one part of it. But also it's a long term play. Like we know Bitcoin is here to stay, but you can't say the same for all the other shitcoins. Like it's it's a it's a very short term play. And I think it's going to bite crypto companies in the ass because their brand is going to be damaged. You know, you know, I would not trust any crypto company, you know, to deal with my money just because There's like, there's so much more attack surface when you deal with crypto. And when it comes to fiat, it's just, you know, I mean, the fiat land, it's like nobody thinks, nobody questions anything. I had to deal with a lot of KYC cases and AML and basically learned that KYC is super useless. And like, we didn't catch any criminals by doing KYC. We just, we just closed bank accounts of old women who just, fail to do their KYC because they don't use their mobile, they don't get the notifications. So those are the only criminals we caught. So KYC okay. is definitely very useless and it's mostly, it's basically, I think it's for the police state to kind of extend like their oversight to also banking institutions. Like banking institutions are supposed to take care of your money. They're not supposed to Like KYC was never a thing like before, I don't know, 60s, 50s, but now it, they're like acting, the banks are also acting as like a government arm. And that's, 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 that's a dangerous trend. And uh, like all financial institutions have to do KYC, but I've seen from the inside that it doesn't work. It's, it's really useless. How do you see uh, governments and Bitcoin? Because I think Bitcoin is basically undermining a lot of what governments are doing. They need money printing to fund so much stuff. If they don't have the money printer and they actually just cannot do it or can do it only on a little small basis because they know it just gets devalued and everybody is jumping on Bitcoin. How yeah. will... Bitcoin change governments and the whole political scene. So right now we're early, so we're lucky. So most most politicians and governments don't like pay attention. But you are right. Like the more Bitcoin grows, the more it undermines the power of the governments. 
there are some Bitcoiners who are kind of like, like I don't know how they identify, but definitely socialists, where they, they do believe in like centrally planned, like government uh, social programs. And to me, this is like, I don't know how, how you can come to the conclusion that uh, like, you know, big government can exist with Bitcoin because like it literally, Bitcoin takes the money printer away from the governments. Now, I do think in the future, it's going to be a lot more voluntary. So I think we might see a future where there's a lot more governments, but they're smaller, and they're voluntary. So they're actually like, a, uh, you know, competing like in the market for you as a citizen for your tax money. You know, they have packages and they like, okay, here's our package. Here's what we offer. Here's the tax rate. And you get, you know, you get the roads, you get the police and you get this and that. And then citizens can basically shop around. Oh, yeah, I want to choose uh, this like government or... Um, because like, I think people always, there's always going to be social hierarchy and people always organize themselves into groups. We've always done it. Like people cannot survive alone, but the difference is that like, it can be voluntary, like as opposed to now where like, if you don't like your government, you don't like the package that you're getting as a citizen and you don't like the price you're paying for this package, like, sorry, it's, it's a monopoly. You either you accept it or you go to jail. Yeah, I mean, uh, in some parts you have to the chance to move out, but that's hard. And even like for the US, like there's actually an exit tax, and they're even taxing you if you're somewhere outside of the US. So like it's 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 hard to 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 get out and and, and just say no to it. And I think also that, as you said, it will be more like a service deal. And I, this is a theme that I hear about in, in the Bitcoin scene more and more, that uh, governments should be volunteer. And if they provide a good service that people like, they will get paid for it as uh, normal companies. Yeah, it's like if you're hiring a cleaning service, like that you're going to go shop around and get look for the best deal. You know, you're going to compare the prices, you're going to compare the offering. But, you know, for some reason, we think that like something like roads or healthcare cannot like free market cannot take care of a fucking road. Like we cannot build roads and somehow organize, you know, the ownership around that. Now, like, of course there's going to be unfortunate people. And, and that's not something like I have a solution for, but I think, I think in the future, it's definitely going to be a lot more like voluntary where you can actually shop around and choose your like, you know, your government. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great, great, great way to look at it. Um, you also have, uh, and I really wanted to mention that you also have a newsletter with one of my favorite uh, Twitter accounts together, uh, the Bitcoin Therapist. I think uh, you're doing it together, right? Yeah. So the Bitcoin Therapist is my partner. We write the newsletter together. So uh, and uh, yeah, I started it last year. It's basically the newsletter that. I would want to read as a Bitcoiner, especially like two years ago when my knowledge wasn't really, really there. So I think the issue with a lot of Bitcoin content is that it's dry or technical uh, or just too long. So what I really want to do is kind of like distill this, like it's there, so it's like a news format. You get three new, three stories per week, but there's also like, and there's a lot of humor. And kind of like you can see my personality in the writing, so it's not dry and it's easy to read. It's like I always think that like super simple sentences, like if, if a sentence is like longer than, I don't know, like 20 words, I immediately like cut it in two. So like I keep it super simple and approachable, but also I always try to plant like seeds of knowledge into the content. Uh, but also it's, it's like I do it for selfish reasons. Like I obviously like I really like writing it. I also want to improve as a writer. I think it's. I think writing is it's essentially is communication and it's like one of those soft, soft skills that once you like learn, you know how to communicate effectively, it's, it's a super transferable skill. And uh, it's not like, like the, the fact that I'm spending like a lot of time writing it, it's not going to be wasted because I will have all this knowledge. So, and like I could have written weekly for myself. But then I'm sure I would have skipped some weeks because there's nobody to keep me accountable. There's nobody reading. I would just be like, ah, it's okay. I can skip this week. But now that I have readers, I cannot skip. So readers definitely keep me accountable. Yeah. And you, and I think you would put more efforts in when other people see it uh, in contrast sure. than you just uh, do it for yourself. 
I, I always try to do, do everything as public as I can. Uh, this is kind of also the, the podcast started uh, out like that because uh, I started last year in January with my Twitter and then more and more it grew and then uh, people reached out to me. I reached out to people and we just talked online. So not recorded, just online talking to Bitcoiners. And then I was like, I want to do that more. How do I force myself to do that more? It's a podcast. And now I record every day. January, I had every day recording, like one or two days where the, the guest canceled. And I'm already booked out till like February 27 or something like that. And today is like not even February, it's uh, 31st of January because I want to force yeah. myself to record as many uh, episodes as possible. I also want to grow the podcast to get uh, really cool guests on. And if you're forced to do it, you're so much more motivated and do it publicly. You also get the feedback from the people. This is something yep. you might also experience. Like uh, you get so much feedback probably from people that read the newsletter. How is that going? Yeah, I always have a, I have a poll at the end of every newsletter. So there's basically three options. Like one is like super awesome. And the second is like, uh, please do better. And the third one is like, this is shit. Please, uh, you know, quit. And uh, like, I always monitor that. And uh, it, it's good to get instant feedback, but sometimes it can be discouraging. Even like one bad comment, it's like, it's, it's discouraging, but like it's it's just you're, you're you you learn to like take it in criticism and uh, like especially in my job like when you work in social media especially with Bitcoiners who can be a, like assholes sometimes and uh, like I'm an asshole too <laughs> especially when it comes to debating uh, shitcoiners like you get a thicker skin so like for example I I'm learning French right now and I moved I moved to France without speaking any French so this I put myself in a very uncomfortable situation. But I have no regrets because this really forced me to learn French. And I don't have perfect French, far from it. But I learned so much faster as opposed to if I stayed in my home country and just played some Duolingo. Like I, I, not, like I, I was placed in this place and uh, basically like forced to speak to people. And like your learning curve is so much steeper. And it's the same with you. Like you're not going to regret doing this podcast. 100% there. Um... Maybe now, uh, even the, the end routine, I think the, the question from the end routine, we have an end routine where the previous guest asks a question for the next guest, uh, really is kind of not Bitcoin question, but it suits the topic really well. Uh, what activity or what, what do you do in general uh, to be most productive, to be able to do all the stuff you're doing right now? Whose question is this? comes from uh, the Bitcoin Berlin uh, uh, guys, the Charlie, uh, from Charlie from Bitcoin Berlin, the, uh, like Bitcoin Berlin, you know? The conference, uh, the, the event. Uh, no, no, the, the, uh, the, the uh, El Salvador, uh, in the, the place in El Salvador. Uh, there's a, a place, place called Berlin, like the Germany, that, like the, it's also there in, in El Salvador and they are trying to make a Bitcoin city. And there is okay. the project Bitcoin Berlin. I think you, you you should definitely check it out. There's a cool vibe going on there. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, there are, there are like two guys uh, who no like well, a couple that uh, like a romantic couple that uh, founded that whole thing and they just started out and moving to Berlin like in El Salvador and they uh, basically orange build merchants and now you can basically pay everywhere with, with, with Bitcoin, almost everywhere. I think there are over 100 merchants and it's a small, small town. Uh, cool. And I think they are getting bigger. And one of the the team members there is like Charlie. And he's really big on Austrian economics, a really bright mind also. And, and he asked that question, like, I think he said like something like, oh, what do you do to be in flow state, to be most productive, something like that. So what do I do to stay productive and healthy is like, of course, like, you have to do sports like Bitcoin teaches you long term thinking. That's where we're all stacking stats. We're stacking stats for the long term. And uh, it's the same with like your body. Like at the end of the day, you only have your body. You can lose. I mean, if you don't have your body, you can't enjoy anything if you lose your body. So at the end of the day, the only thing you really own is your body. And you need to have a long term mindset. So that's why like like I, I, I go to the gym. So I have a home gym, right? upstairs above this room 
And uh, like I like working out, so I'm lucky in that sense. And uh, everybody should find the the way that they a sport that they like, whether it's running, playing pickleball, or or gym. I don't even think of it as like okay, like I'm I'm feeling like working out. It's just like it's like stacking sets. I just do it three times a week because this is a long term investment into myself and uh, you know hopefully also like my kids so they can enjoy me and I'm not an old man who you know. <laughs> Can't, can't chase the football but uh so that, that's physical but then also you have to it's easy to be obsessed with bitcoin but sometimes you have to lock out and you have to you, you know you have to watch some netflix you have to you know maintain relationships which is pretty easy to lose especially once you go down the rabbit hole because your your brain expands so much and then when you talk to your old friends who are still in the old state uh, there's a bit of a disconnect and you can't relate anymore but you know, uh, still, it's really important to maintain like other relationships, and uh, yeah, uh, get a girlfriend. There, those are nice. <laughs> I, I mean, that that topic is actually a really interesting one because I was uh, long of the opinion that a girlfriend is a time killer, uh, and I got my current girlfriend over a year ago now, uh, and uh, it it gives me so much energy and allows me to be so much more productive uh in a day it's it's amazing just from my personal experience i can can tell that a girlfriend is one hell of a life hack uh for me uh but i had just two it's years interesting ago way to say i don't tell your yeah. girlfriend that you say she's a life hack yeah, <laughs> she's watching probably, but uh, I think maybe it helps people that like I I thought like not even two years ago that girlfriend is just a time waste uh, and it's just like for fun, uh, but it I mean, was yeah. If you're optimizing for time and just productivity, definitely girlfriend is a waste of time. But but life is more than that. Like at the end of the day, the most important things in life. These relationships, and if it's not the most important thing in your life, you should reevaluate your life. That's like yeah. the people around you is everything. So, 100%. like definitely, definitely, like I'm bullish on girlfriends. <laughs> That's a great thing. Yeah, but I even make the argument, like, like of course that. I'm I'm not with a girlfriend just because to save time. That would be a stupid argument to make. But I'm actually making the argument that a, a girlfriend is making you more productive. It keeps you, uh, like, yeah. maybe it's just me, but it keeps me way more productive and energized throughout the whole day. Yeah, I mean, like, short term, definitely, having a girlfriend doesn't help you stack more sets. It's It's the opposite. But like yeah. long term, long term, if you find the right partner, you're going to want to become better for their sake and they're going to want to build you up. And uh, the same for, you know, you want them to be the best version of themselves. So it's a very much long term play. And uh, something I like really thankful about Bitcoin is the, it's just taught me so much about like having a low time preference and just thinking long term. Like I think, I mean. I don't want to say I'm mature for my age, but definitely like compared to other people my age, it's definitely can see, and maybe it's just my personality. Maybe, I don't know how much Bitcoin contributed, but definitely have this long-term thinking, which is why I think about sport, that like, it's just something you have to do. It's just like you have to eat well if you want to be successful long-term and having relationships, like you have to maintain them. You have to work for relationships and, um, yeah, it's like money is not everything. Money is just a, it's just a way to an end. It's to, yeah, it's to get something else. It's not the end goal. Yeah, it's interesting how Bitcoin is also just money, but it teaches you still the low time reference and those values. And it, it, I, I mean, it depends from person to person. Uh, I had persons on that where Bitcoin was really a dramatic uh, piece in their life where the, the life changed. Uh, but they also had persons on that already went on a good journey of also economics journey and then 
most most of them are like older and they just have bitcoin came in it was natural to them they were already in that kind of mindset and it just sort of an addition to their life uh, it's interesting yeah. well you say you say just bitcoin is just money but that's like saying oxygen is just air that you're breathing like you're gonna die yeah. without oxygen and, and bitcoin is it affects so many things around us like it affects the culture it affects how people uh, deal with each other it, like money is half of every transaction every financial transaction so that's, that plays a huge role and it affects things we cannot even think about you know some people argue that it affects art it affects uh, architecture it affects human relationships it affects uh, like kind of like where the culture is going and that's all debatable but i do believe that it plays a huge role so like Bitcoin is just money, but money is so important for like everything we do. Yeah, it's so fundamental to our life. If it's like if you save in a money where your time is leaking out because it's uh, bad money, uh, you will behave differently when uh, you have uh, sound money where your time is effectively saved and you can rely on that and build a solid foundation. It's 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 really yeah, true. and it's it's like. Like the underlying theme, which I, I, when I talk to Bitcoiners, there's always this one word that comes up, which is hope. Like Bitcoin gives you, it makes you hopeful for the future. You actually want to wake up and see the future. Whereas, you know, I don't know how old you are, but like most millennials and Gen, Gen Z, they're not very optimistic for the futures, you know, the climate, the wars. And I don't care about any of that, like since, since I found Bitcoin. And it's just because Bitcoin is a promise of a better world. And like I do subscribe to that view. So like I'm definitely a lot more optimistic, hopeful for the future, which then in turn helps me think long term about my relationships, about my fitness, about my you know, my money. So yeah, Bitcoin is hope. Yeah, I also love that uh, hope.com leads to bitcoin <laughs> i love that michael saylor michael reserved that uh, domain for bitcoin <laughs> yeah i think that's an, an, an wonderful uh, way to end the podcast um before we end uh, where can people find you the best where can people reach out to you yes yeah, so i'm just gonna give one place that would be the newsletter so go to btcTherapy.io slash subscribe and uh subscribe to that and uh, if you reply to any email i will always reply that back and uh, yeah let's let's chat there thank you for being on Arsene. thanks for having me on robin